Amen. You know, we've been looking at that amazing series. I love this series. I think it's fantastic. On uh, restoration, restoration of broken lives. And um, this morning I just felt really led to go back to the cross. Because quite frankly, it all begins at the cross. It's central to the cross. And I really think we should visit the cross occasionally and really look at that. You know, I'd love to share on the, on the uh, seven recorded sayings that Jesus uh, uh, was quoted as saying. But Lord, we're going to get time for about two this morning, so that's what we're going to do. And uh, we're going to go that way. Okay. Just thank you, Lord. So the first saying we'd read from the cross, thanks, Joe. Where is Joe? He's uh, disappeared and got a cup of coffee. Get that man a job. Thanks, Rosie, again. Rosie's an amazing, amazing uh, sister in Christ. Does so much work for us behind the scenes and gets these PowerPoints together, something I can't do. And uh, thanks, mate. Okay, let's read. When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him. Is this, is this a wee bit loud? Or am I, am I, I'm shouting. I feel like I'm... When they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even stared at him. They said, he saves others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ, the God, the chosen one. These first recorded words from the lips of Saviour could be probably more accurately uh, said this way. Jesus kept on saying, it was a repetitive thing. It was, a, it was an ongoing request, ongoing word. You know, it's like you know, in Ephesians where we read, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like actually it's be being filled, constantly filled. So Jesus is just you know, from his heart, just heart crying, just constantly from his heart. Father, forgive them. Our beaten and bloodied Saviour, our sinless Saviour, God, the Word become flesh. The Lamb of God being slain for our sin here on this cross was going through incredible emotional, agonizing and physical pain. That's amazing pain. He'd been flogged beyond recognition. He'd been stripped bare. He'd spat on. He'd been crowned with a crown that had been just driven to his head. The prophet Isaiah gives us insight into his suffering over 700 years before his birth. Isaiah looks down that passage of time ahead of him prophetically. He says, just, on Isaiah 52, 14, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man and his form mud beyond human likeness. Yet rather than retaliate a vengeance, rather than call down judgment, and place his own needs before those that crucified him, the others. His cry of one is mercy and compassion. The first three of the seven recorded sayings of the cross are for others. He put others before himself. Others before his own incredible need at that point in time. Others. The last four cries are for himself and for his kingdom. But they're all for our benefit. Perhaps as the first nail is driven through his wrist, his cries, Father, forgive them. I don't know what they're doing. You know, the second rest, the, the, the pain races through his body. Father, forgive them. Then his feet, you know, he's through his, through his ankles. Father, forgive them. This is an ongoing cry. The Savior continues to intercede in his tortured state for the forgiveness of his torturers and those who are committing this murder, responsible for his murder, as the pain of rejection from those he came to rescue from their sin, heal and restore just breaks his heart. <coughs> Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
It's a cry of intercession for two thieves crucified either side of him. Both these guys railed at him. They hurled insults at him. It's a cry for them. It's a cry that would resonate through all the ages as he intercedes for the countless multitudes, including you and I, who, while in our lost state, while we live in our selfish little sinful world, our little lost state, that lost state, would be desperately in need of God's mercy, his forgiveness, his grace toward us. Father, forgive them. He's looked down through the ages. He saw you. He saw me. Jesus' prayer has been one of the most indescribable examples of humility ever recorded. Not only was he completely innocent and undeserved of his treatment, but had he willed, he could have called down fire to consume his enemies. Had he willed, he could have called 12 legions of angels to his side to destroy them. But rather than curse, rather than you know, call down judgment, he blessed. He intercedes with a plea of mercy and forgiveness rather than executing judgment and wrath. Isaiah 53, 12 says, For he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What's a transgressor? A sinner, someone who breaks, transgresses the law. And guess what? We're all lawbreakers by nature. You know, I love that little illustration. I use it fairly often to try and explain that, particularly to an unsaved person. He says, oh, look, I'm all, I'm all good. No, actually, not, not all good at all. You know, it's only God that makes us good. And uh, I use the example so often of just putting two, you know, you hear this all the time. Uh, children are born, my uh, physio guy says this. He says, uh, you know, children are born, you know, it's perfect, basically. Yeah, wonderful. Now ask Cara about that. They are beautiful, aren't they? We love them. Man, I love little Levi. He's just the greatest little guy. He's beautiful. But there's going to be moments in Levi's life. And I reckon even up now, there's been a few moments. You know, it's all about Levi. <laughs> Levi rules. <laughs> Levi number one. Okay. Feed me. And as he grows up, put Levi in a room with little Eden. Give him about you know, six months' time. Put one toy between the two of them and just see what happens. Happens already. Okay. It already happens. <laughs> It doesn't matter what culture they come from, whether you know, from Malaysia. It doesn't matter where they come from. Put those two little kids either side and watch what happens. Immediately they'll covet, you know. They'll, they'll, they'll fight. They'll, and we, te we teach our kids not to argue, you know. We teach our kids to be truthful, not to lie. We teach, teach our kids not to steal, to be honest. We, because there's an inherent thing within every man, every woman that's born, you know, to do the opposite because we're lawbreakers by nature and we needed a sacrifice because he broke the law for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressions how humble i am as i meditate on those words father forgive them when I, father forgive me for what i've done now, how humble i am because you know i, I realize this uh, so many times i'm so quick to take offense of some minor pathetic little issue if only God's children would learn to respond as our saviour. Forgiving others, praying for them and blessing them, keeping short accounts with those that cause us pain and rejection through abuse and suffering. Multitudes whom Christ died for and shed his blood for to redeem, restore, forgive and reconcile to himself will be set free from spiritual, emotional and often physical pain, physical bondage. One how many patients would be... Uh, would not be in some psych wards or wouldn't need counselling. You know, I wonder about that. 
Tragically, many harbour resentment, offence and unforgiveness towards those who wrong them, not seeing that by doing so, they forfeit God's grace. You know, you start to have unforgiveness and you'll forfeit the grace of God. Bringing ourselves and often those we're called to love and influence into a place of torment and bondage. Multitudes of kids these days have got estranged parents. And one parent is so bitter and vindictive towards the other. And what they do, they poison the little kid growing up. Who knows something like that? You know? Little innocent children are growing up because one person's vindictive. You know, full of bitterness. How many churches today? You know, have people that should be in them in fellowship, but they're out there, and that church is what they did to me. You know, it's like that guy's rescued in that island years ago. There, you know, he's been stranded for and marooned on the island for years and years and years, and they finally rock up and there's a reporter come down. He says, "Mate, amazing finding this guy. Years all bearded and you know, a bit like Nev, a bit scruffy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> payback, mate. Anyway, thing is, yeah. <laughs> isn't this place?" And the guy says, amazing, let me show where you live. And he says, this is where I live. And he takes me to these three dwellings. And he says, he says what's this? Well, this is my house. He says, oh, what's this? He says, oh, this is a church I go to. Every, go, every Sunday I go to this church. He says, oh, what's this? Oh, this is the church I used to go to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of sad, but the reality is it's true. Yeah. The enemy's not out there. It's within here. He's within here, you know. You know, they failed to take, we failed to take into account how much we've been personally forgiven through our Saviour's sacrifice and His precious blood shed for us on our behalf on that cross. Hebrews 9.22 says, With a shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Ephesians 1, 7, 8 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. We have redemption through His blood. We've been redeemed through His blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. God lavishes on us His grace. We've been lavished. You know, we've, been, we've been brought at an incredible price. We've been redeemed through His precious blood. We've been forgiven through His incredible price He paid on that cross for us. Jesus' first words from the cross reveal His heart of humility, love, kindness and mercy. And it surely challenges us to forgive as we've been forgiven. Remember the sacrifice he made for us when something comes up, comes our way, we find offensive. You know, we need to continually intercede for those that do us wrong. You know, you know I never, never, never forget years ago that there was a, a situation that we had a, a you know, real serious offence went down. It wasn't just towards us, but towards the church. And uh, it was a, a, a hard time to deal with. And the enemy kept putting these reruns in my mind. You know, he puts his pictures in your mind. That what you, you go over what happened. And uh, as I started, that started happening, I said, you know, I didn't want to. I didn't feel like doing this. But I said, Father, I pray you bless those people. I pray you bless them. And I reckon I went through a rerun of a thousand times the first day. I bless those guys more than I've ever been blessed, I tell you. I get blessing them and blessing. The next day was probably 500 times. By the end of the week, completely set free. So the devil won't keep hanging around you. When you bless the people, he incites you to curse. You know, you know when I forgive, I, I get set free. God's come to set me free. You know, When God's children hold on to offense, resentment, unforgiveness, they fail to see they fall in the enemy's snare. 
They swallow poison. The rat poison thing, they're going to somehow kill the rat. Yeah? They carry around that situation and they give those people or that person free rent within their hearts. And they do this. They actually remain in ruins. They'll remain in ruins. You know, Nev can preach and he's an amazing, amazing preacher. You know, we can have the best preacher. We can have the best sermons. We can have the best televangelists. We can read the word. We can pray. We can fast. We can do all these things, you know. We're all, all good things, noble things, wonderful things, great blessings from God. But unless we forgive, unless we choose to forgive, we remain in ruins. We appreciate it's only by faith and through grace and His strength that we can forgive. I know how guys do it in the world. I know how someone that's not a Christian manages to forgive as some do. It's a pretty amazing thing because I know I couldn't do it without Christ. You know, the thing is this. Trust may be broken towards those that wronged us. Someone's made a major withdrawal, you know, taken a major withdrawal, and trust can often be broken. See, trust comes, you know, it's deposited through times of faithfulness and love and, you know, concern. And, you know, it's deposited. But when there's been a major withdrawal, trust can be broken. And sometimes it'll never be restored. That's the reality. You know, I'll go into a shop, some guy might rip me off the first time, and I'll go, oh, it's probably a mistake. Go back the second time, does it again. Guess what? I'm not going to go back there again. Is that, okay? Trust might be broken. But the deal is this, it's not the trust, the issue. It's the need to forgive, it's the real issue. It's forgiving people. We might remember stuff that went down, but I need to forgive whatever the offense was that took place. No soul can experience both grace and resentment at the same time. It's impossible. You can't carry you know, grace and peace and resentment in that soul. We'll be one or the other, loving and gracious or unloving and resentful, and the effect we have on others will be the same. And I say this fairly often, I remind myself, it's so vital that we keep in mind what has been done for us, not what's been done to us. The second saying is toward a repentant robber who hung beside him. Luke 23, 38-43. There's a written notice above him which read this. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, this day you'll be with me in paradise. What an amazing thing that is. Just think about that guy, man. What an amazing, amazing thing that is. The last moments of his life, he cries out to the Savior. And this is an amazing assurance. This man responded to God's grace and mercy that freely flowed from the suffering Christ. This man, through a simple act of faith, received the most wonderful and undeserved promise. This day, I tell you, this day, not tomorrow, not in a hundred years' time, not in a thousand years' time, not when I return, but this day, this very day, you'll be with me in paradise. This man was crucified alongside the Saviour initially began by heaping insults on him. Matthew 27, 44 says, 
in the same way, the robbers, plural, who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Mark 15, 32, those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. What was it that so impacted this man's heart, this man's life? The eternal from one who was mocking him to one that we were repentant, to one who, you know, who rejected the Savior, to one who accepted him and placed his faith in him. It wasn't just a sign written above the Savior's head that declared he was the king of the Jews. And it certainly wasn't the, uh, the scorn and the, the mocking, the taunts of the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders. It wasn't that which changed his heart. But the realization that the one crucified beside him was undeserving of his sentence. There is incredible humility. There is grace. There is mercy. The love he expressed on that tortured state, in that tortured state, towards those who tortured him. The mercy extended towards himself. In that moment in time, Christ's purity and his own impurity, Christ's sinlessness and his own sinfulness, Christ's undeservedness in being on that cross and his own deservedness in being on that cross, Christ's incredible humility and his own wretched pride, Christ's righteousness and his own unrighteousness, Christ's heart of love, compassion and mercy shone a light into his own darkened heart. The thing is this, the fear of the law had not deterred him from committing the act. He was there on that cross as a result of what he'd been, you know, he'd been found guilty of doing, robbing someone, robbing people, whatever he'd done, but it was pretty serious stuff. The fear of the law hadn't deterred him. However, it would be the impact of, on his soul of who it was that was crucified beside him that would bring this man to a place of accountability. As he saw Christ on that cross and the love and the grace and the mercy emanate from him, he realized Christ's sinlessness and his own incredible sinfulness. He acknowledged he was in need. He was accountable. He was getting what, he, what was due to him. And yet it would not be the wrath of God, but God's love and compassion and mercy that would bring him to repentance and restoration. But the transforming, transforming work of the cross that would order his destiny. This man was tried, sentenced, and judged by the courts of Rome. He was found guilty, yet through his faith and trust in his newfound savior, savior was pardoned by the courts of heaven. The one who he appealed to would bear his sentence upon the very cross that stood behind him. He appeals to Christ, the sin bearer. As Peter declares, he himself, our Savior, bore our sins and his body on the tree. The Savior, the Lamb of God, would take upon himself the sin of the world, be punished on his behalf, and would open the way up for all who place their faith and trust in him to enter eternity with him. This day, be with me in paradise. The thing is this, if you love Jesus today, guess what? You've already entered into eternity. We are seated at his right hand, you know, and we're seated with him in the heavenly places. You know, we're seated with him. We've entered eternity. Isaiah 53, 4, 6 says this, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. One of Simon's favorite passages. Where's Simon gone? There. Ah, oh, good place, mate. Okay. Read it again. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. Present tense. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He's my sin bearer. He's your sin bearer. I'm so grateful. It was a simple act of faith. This means believing that brought him to place a right relationship with the Saviour. I'm so glad it was a simple act of faith that brought into place of being righteous in God's sight. I'm so glad that he wasn't you know, a saint, but this guy was actually a sinner. I'm so glad he wasn't a good living man. He wasn't a church going man. This guy, I doubt very much, ever tithed. I, get, I doubt very much he goes to the poor. He certainly wasn't dressed in Sunday's best. Now this guy, you know, he didn't... He didn't uh, uh, eat particular foods or abstain from certain foods. It was impossible for him to get down off that cross and do some good work, some good thing to earn God's favour. I'm so glad of that. The thing is, it wasn't what he'd done, but in whom he believed, he was made righteous and forgiven in God's sight. It wasn't what he'd done, but what Christ had done on his behalf. Thing is, I love this. Our Savior meets us where we're at. He loves us for who we are, regardless of our where's um, where's uh, who's Maddie, Maddie. Regardless of our age, that's when a shot we've been to the service. Regardless of our age, our gender, our culture, He meets us where we're at. He loves us for who we are. Tragically, it might have been those he stole from. And certainly those who sentenced him that had the greatest difficulty embracing Christ. You know, those who see themselves as, as inherently good and righteous through their good works. You know, those who are self-righteous, who judge others and condemn others that don't live up to their own standards. You know, these are the guys who are generally blinded from seeing their own wretched state and their unworthiness and desperately the Saviour. I mean, you guys, but the guys I find hardest to reach to are the guys that have got these amazing standards, you know, really, really, really good living people. They're the ones that's hardest to reach, you know. This pardoned man was given the wonderful assurance that within hours, this day, he'd be with the Savior in paradise. And I praise God that nothing's changed. We're made righteous through faith that there's no good work that we do that brings us in the right relationship. We work from righteousness, from our position of right standing with God, not for righteousness. You know what I just said? We work from righteousness, not for righteousness. And there's nothing, absolutely nothing, that will make me any more righteous at any time during my walk with the Lord than the moment I first believed. Romans 4.48 says this. Now when a man works, can you read it? And when a man works for his, <coughs> sorry. And when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. Talking of the law, okay. However, the man who does not work but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man who God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are they whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. 
That's a direct quote from Psalm 32. Now the thing is this, who is there better than David or the Apostle Paul, Paul to explain that, you know, to, to put that out there in writing? You know, David knew what it was to fall a little short. You know? And the Apostle Paul sure knew what it was to fall short. But this is their proclamation. Romans 6, 11 to 14 says, In the same way, count yourself dead to sin. One and one are two, right? Okay, just as one and one are two, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so you, will, so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body as instruments of weakness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness, for sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. Because I'm made righteous by faith, I live by faith. I live righteously. Okay, That's who I am. That's who you are. We live righteously because we are made righteous. I don't, you know, I don't live righteous because the law says, Laurie, live righteously. Jit, live righteously. Or the wrath of God will descend on Jit. Okay? It's not about that. I've been made righteous through faith. So live by faith because I've been made righteous. The Lord demands of us where grace supplies enables us. It's something like this. Lord, I can't, but Lord, you can through me. Lord, I'm dependent on you, on your spirit to work his work of grace in my life and through me. The Lord leads me to Christ. The Lord leads me there. You know? you know, it reveals God's holiness and my unholiness. It points out my failures. It points out my inadequacies and my shortfalls. But there's no remedy in the law. There's no solution in overcoming. It condemns the best of us, whereas grace transforms the worst of us. When I attempt to live by the law, by the commandments and rule-keeping, rather out of loving relationship, I forfeit God's grace and I detract from the finished work of the cross. Then when I start doing stuff, you know, somehow I become more righteous, you know, more approved of, more acceptable, more loved. The minute I do that, I detract from the finished work of the cross. I can't become any more righteous. I can't become any more loved. I can't become any more, um, any more accepted. All we've done in my own strength. I don't live out of loving obedience to God's commands to change who I am, but to reveal who I am. I'm God's child. El, you're God's child. Okay? I don't keep commands to change who I am, but to reveal who I am. You know, like we've had these uh, couple of precious SDA guys knocking on their door and we've had some amazing times of fellowship with these people over the last couple of weeks. They're really beautiful people and I believe they're absolutely saved. But I mean, they're signed the law. You know, and always the commandments come up. And all for me, always grace comes up. You know? you know? And I just love these guys. You know, they've come to our place they're going to try to convert us to, to going on to church on the, on the, on the Sabbath. Where they're going to go away from our church, uh, sorry, our house, being converted to be Pentecostals. Hallelujah. <laughs> you know, it's fantastic. We'll, ne we'll never, never overcome. We'll find healing and restoration by keeping commandments and rule keeping. The opposite's true. We read from verse 14 For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. Read that with me. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but you're under grace. 
Just the opposite is true. When I'm under law, the keeping of rules in an attempt to try and improve myself or made righteous in the sight of God a man, I'll be mastered by sin and unbelief. Do you hear that? And guess who nearly always gets the blame? You know, when you go to a church that's, you know, a bit self-righteous, a bit legalistic, you know, focus on what you must do, guess what you're going to find in that church? An awful lot of carnality, I tell you. And guess who always gets the blame? I want to go any further than that, Nev. I see Nev putting the little flashy things on. <laughs> oh, I'd love to, mate. But, you know, guess the devil gets the blame, doesn't he? The devil made me do it. Yeah, we went right back to the garden. Yeah. That wretched wife, that woman that you gave me. I told you not to bring me the fruit. <laughs> 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 that's it, that one. <laughs> uh, but that's the deal, isn't it? You know, we always blame others, you know. Because uh, uh, you're trying to keep laws and rules. Man, I did that for years. Years and years, our place was, wasn't a place of joy, I tell you, man. It was just a place of rules, you know, do this, do that, you know. Yeah. We, don't do, we don't do what we do to become what we are. Okay? We don't do what we do to become what we are. We are made righteous. Give the person a bit of a shove beside you and tell you, you are righteous. You're righteous. You can't become any more righteous. I do what I do because I'm made righteous. Are there are times I fail. Yes, there are times I fail miserably. Over the last 35 years, I have failed miserably. I have failed miserably almost every day in some area with an attitude or just some silly thing I was said or entertained, you know. But the deal is this, it doesn't detract from my righteousness. And the thing is, my believing rules me. If I believe I'm made righteous, I really, really believe that, I find myself living out that truth in my life. Okay? I don't read my Bible, I don't pray, I don't give, I don't come to fellowship to become anything more as regard righteousness. Do you get that? I do those things become more effective as God's child. I want to be an effective child of God. Okay? Why do I read my Bible? Because it's good for me. Because it's food, you know. It's like medicine for my soul. You know, I never forget years ago, this young guy, you know, and this young guy would, I'd, I'd, he'd virtually get me out of bed in the morning really early because this guy had some real issues with his mum and he needed to get some help. So I'd get myself out, man. I'd get really early before he'd start work, this young guy. And I'd drag myself, middle of winter, drag him up down the church and we'd sit there over the heater, freezing cold, you know. And he'd start, all the stuff would come out. And I'd say, this young guy, I'd say, you know, okay. Just want to, after we share with him, encourage him, he's need to forgive his mum and get stuff sorted out. They said, no, I really want you to read a couple of scriptures for me this week. And he'd say, he'd go, uh, yeah, okay. Now, I want you to pray about loving your mum and just, you know, all this stuff. Just a few little, you know. And the next week, getting back, and he, I'd say, okay, did you pray? No. Did you read your word? No. And I said, look, it's like this. If you go to the doctor, you know, and he gives you some medicine, do you take the medicine? You see, because it's good medicine for my soul to read my word. It's good for me to be in fellowship. 
I love fellowship. I love corporate worship. I love being with my brothers and sisters in Christ. They so encourage me, you know. And the thing is, this, you know, I, you know, we're called to make disciples. Is that true? I've never ever known one person in 35 years to make one disciple for Jesus Christ who's not been in fellowship. There's always guys sitting out there in their little circles. Oh yeah, I love Jesus, but I hate the church. You never find one of those people ever make one disciple. Never seen it yet. If we're going to be effective, we do what God calls us to do, but not to become more righteous. You know, a couple of nights ago, I watched this late movie. It's a good movie. It wasn't too much violence, and wasn't, I don't recall much swearing either, quite frankly. But, you know, pretty good these days for anything on television, really, you know. But, you know, it's one of those movies, and uh, a bit of action thing, and I like the action stuff, and, but I didn't realize how late it was. You know, the thing is, in watching the movie, it didn't make me any less righteous, any more loved, any more accepted, or less accepted. Okay? But the deal is, it's the next day, man, I wasn't as effective. To live effectively as God's sons and daughters, it's important to live righteously. To live out that relationship with God. To be committed to fellowship. It's good to be baptized in water and spirit. You know. It's good to be a giving person. When I give, God sets me free. If you want to get liberated, mate, you give. That's what God does. I want to be effective, you know. All these things are and more a response in response to his love and his mercy, his kindness, his favor. We do what we do because we love him, because he's made us righteous, never to become more righteous or to earn his favor or the favor of God or man. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you believe that this morning? Now, if I were to ask you this morning, if God loves you, I guarantee 99% of people put their hand up. Yeah, God loves me. You know, when I counsel people, I say, you know, God loves you. I've only ever had one person ever actually say, but they didn't know the love of God. That he was angry and he was out there somewhere and he was just sitting in my heart broke when they, this person said that. You know. But I say, yeah, we know God loves us. Mind you, when you people go through the testing times, when the rubber hits the road, you know, where heaven seems like brass and you can't get through in your prayers, you know, we requires faith, your circumstances aren't so, going so good. At that time, I ask the same person whether God loves them and they might have a few doubts. But generally speaking, people will say, yeah, I know God loves me. Ask the same question. Do you, know, you, you know you are righteous in God's sight? You are, you are righteous of God? And I guess, well, I don't feel too righteous. I don't feel like I'm, really, I'm not living very righteously and I have this attitude towards my... <laughs> brother, my sister in Christ. My brother on the golf course, you know, when I'm about to putt the ball. And him and his mate Joel go, <laughs> and I go, Father, bless him, and I put the ball in. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. In my weakness, here's my strength. <laughs> uh, where was I? 
thing is this. Yeah, I'm very worried. <laughs> yes, darling. One yeah. thing is, if I'm believing wrongly, I'll be feeling wrongly. Okay? If I'm not believing the truth about myself, I'm not going to be feeling good about myself. But the reality is, I am the righteousness of God. I've been made right through faith in what Christ did, not what I've done or will ever do. Okay? I've been in a right thing with my God through faith. That's it. It's a done deal. The moment I attempt to do what I do to become more righteous, accepted or approved of, I'm living as an unbelieving believer. See what I just said? This repentant thief was Christ's trophy of grace. He was equally valued as the greatest saint. The same price was paid to redeem him as any other. You know, I need never doubt my value and my worth to him. The same price he paid to redeem this man was paid for me, was paid for you. You know, He's redeemed us from our lost and fallen state. That price being the price of his innocent shed blood. That blood was being shed outpoured on that cross beside that man. That very moment was outpoured for you today. 1 Peter 1, 18, 19 says, For you know not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed, you brought back your purchase from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You never need to doubt your value and your worth and God's love for your life. He purchased you for the price of the blood of His precious Son. There's no good work that can match that. Every time I try and work for something to earn approval, I detract from the finished work of the cross. I add to what He's already done. I praise God the promise of salvation is to the repentant believer, both the most righteous sinner and most unrighteous of sinners. And the work of the cross is this, to believe in the one he sent. It's salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, never in any good work that I do. This man within hours of his conversion died at peace. Tragically, the same grace extended towards the other criminal hung beside him. Wasn't received. His heart was hardened. He died in torment, cursing the Saviour forever lost. One shook the Saviour's hand. One shook his fist at him. One man's heart was softened. The other remained hard. One was made glad. The other remained mad. You know, and the thing is this, where does your heart lie today? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you embraced him as your personal and loving God and Saviour? Where do you stand with this day? Have you been made righteous through faith? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, regardless of what you're feeling, the fact is this, you have been made righteous through faith. But if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, you know, if he's knocking on the door of your heart, if you feel the conviction within your heart to embrace him, he's there for you. He loves you. The same blood that was outpoured that man 2,000 years ago has been outpoured for you. The same desire to be in fellowship with that man is the same desire he has for you. He loves you. It's all about fellowship. It's all about relationship. He so desires to be in relationship with you. He so desires to bless you, to heal you, and to restore you. Where does your heart lay? In a minute we're going to have a prayer, you know, and if you'd like to join us in the prayer, we'd love you to. It's about you. It's about your eternal destiny. Where do you stand today with the Saviour? Do you need to forgive? Is there someone that you, and God's putting his finger on your heart to forgive? Father, I pray that there is someone. 
that we, I need to forgive. Lord, reveal that person to me. That's a pretty bold prayer at times. And it can be, it might stretch back quite a few years, a little child perhaps even. Though. But God wants to set you free. I'll never forget, years ago we had this uh, altar call at the church out in Buckingham. And this aged lady came up and, uh, actually thinking about it, about my age at the time. And uh, she came, you know, and she had she she literally had clenched teeth and clenched fists. And I don't know what to preach that day, but I must have got up my nose a bit. But anyway, <laughs> she said, regards her husband. She said, I can't forgive him. You know, just like I can't forgive him. And I don't know, my heart just so sunk. And you know, my sister is like this. If God calls you to do anything, He always gives you the grace to do it. He'll always give you the grace to do whatever He calls you to do. It's not, not that you can't forgive. Not that His grace isn't towards you to forgive. You choose not to forgive. And tragically, that woman, you know, she still struggled with that years after. The last I saw her, she was in a nursing home and she wasn't in a good place. I believe she was saved. But man, she made life hell for herself on this planet. And, and the person she found difficult to forgive. Just pray that this day that, you know, if there's something in your heart that you need to sort through, that God would give you the grace. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, I truly pray that He would just so impact your heart with the revelation of His incredible love for you. He so loves you. He bled for you. He died for you. Father, I just thank you, God, this day for your amazing, amazing grace. For your incredible love, your forgiveness, Father. I just thank you this day, Lord God, that you're the God that just reaches out from heaven, reaches out from the very cross itself. God, I just thank you, God, that those words cry out, they resonate, Lord God, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I thank you, Lord, those words for, for me, for us, your people, Lord God. I think that in embracing you, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior, we are forgiven. We've made whole, we've been set free. We've been made righteous, Lord God. I just trust to God this morning, Father, be any unforgiveness in any of our hearts, to God, that you put your finger on those hearts, that we would come to a place of being set free and restored, made whole through our choice to forgive, our choice to bless and not curse, our choice of God to embrace all you've done for us on that cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Kev. Yeah, church, um, we just heard a beautiful message of the grace of God and I just have something in my spirit um, just to be able to appropriate that there's actually something you know you can come this far you can hear the grace of God you can hear the love of God but sometimes you have to activate it and I just I just feel that say a prayer and lead a prayer out and maybe if I can get you guys all if you want just to repeat it after me and just a simple one about God's love just a simple one yeah I'm a sinner but God would you forgive me Lord would you come into my life and you know, that prayer, if you so want to speak it, God will hear that. And it's between you and God. And He will forgive you 100%. He will wash you as white as snow. That's the cool thing. We don't work for righteousness. We come to God as we are, and He washes us clean. So I'm just going to pray. And if you would just join me, just feel to pray this prayer. And we just speak it out loud. And your friend, the Creator, He will hear that. And he will respond with grace and he will come and he will enter your heart. So let's just pray if you will join me. 
Just repeat after me, please, yeah. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me so much. That you sent your one son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He died on the cross and he rose again. Father, I know I've fallen short. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. To cleanse me. To wash me as white as snow. Lord Jesus, I receive your love. Would you come into my heart? Become my Lord. Become my Savior. In Jesus' name. I just feel to share with you, if you pray that prayer, God's heard you. And he cleanses you. We're saved by grace. We're saved by the love of God. It's, it's he that initiates it. He is a loving God. And he washes you clean, just like that one robber. Lord, would you remember me? If you said that prayer, Jesus says, I remember you. You're my child and you're loved. I'm going to pray, Father, thank you for your deep love. Thank you that you receive us all. Thank you that you wash us with love after love after love, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we stand in you by grace, Lord God. We're so grateful for that, Lord. None of us make the mark, Lord. None of us you know, measure up. But God, I thank you that we don't have to work for it. You don't want us to, Lord. We only need to believe. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you for those beautiful words today words of truth that strengthen us so much, Lord God. We praise you, Lord. And Father, help us to share that good news and tell others there's a Lord that loves you and there's hope and there's purpose and there's peace, Lord. Help us to just share that good news, Lord. It's, it's one of grace and mercy and kindness. So Father, we thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I think we're going to do a worship song and if you guys would uh, just stand up and let's uh, worship the Lord God and uh, just glorify him for what he's done for us and uh, yeah, praise him.
something um last night i was uh it's about nine o'clock we we're in front of woolworths and i was just worshiping with um another congregation member of another church and we ended up just uh for opening up psalms and going to psalms uh 24 and just worshiping out of it and then it led us into top park and we we worshiped and some heathens came along they worshiped with us it was pretty cool and then we moved on to the sand and um as we were just worshiping and um, we noticed, God said, I want you to prophesy, uh, both of us. And at, what we noticed was, is that the tide was coming up and there was dry sand here. And there was, there was sand where the water had rushed, washed onto it. And as we looked down, we saw the dry sand. It was just, it was dry and it would just fall through the cracks. And as we saw the sand, it was like God was speaking to us. He was, he was actually speaking about unity. And it was speaking that when... We, and what we also noticed was that in the wet sand was those footprints. And the footprints was to do with peace. And as we put our foot on this wet sand, it was like the, the water would, would rush up. And what he was trying to say was that when we... When we and uh, Sorry, I'll just come back to uh, Psalm 24 verse 7. It says, uh, look high and open up you heavenly gates. And see, what happens is we... Um, we were looking left and right. He was a member of, of another church. And when we look at other, other churches and we criticize them or, or we, we stand on our own, but when we actually come to be, uh, together in unity and we actually join together in, in peace and that Holy Spirit came and, and it, it was just, it was so profound for us because he was a member of another congregation. And I know there's, there's been a, a, a lot of this going on. But what, what God wants to say is He desires unity through all churches. He wants us to stand together. And when we stand together, the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit that binds us together will come. And when we have such power and authority when we stand in you, the enemy wants us divided. But when we stand, I just feel like He just wants to encourage you, lay down of how you see other churches and know that, man, God just wants us as a family. He wants us in unity. He wants us to... Lift our heads and look up your heavenly gates instead of looking side to side. And I tell you, the power of the Holy Spirit will come. He so wants to flow through all churches. That's His heartbeat. He doesn't want us to criticize. He wants us to flow in unity. So I just, I just really encourage you. If you see something in our church you don't maybe like, pray for them, as Laurie said. Pray for them. But He wants us to stand in unity. So I just speak that over. 
Just speak to unity over all the churches in this town, all the little niggling things you got in your mind. They just, God just wants you. He wants the peace to flow down. He wants us to be united as one and flow in the Holy Spirit. I just pray. I just pray for that in Jesus' name. I just also want to say, I forgive Laurie. Good on you, Simon. Yeah. Okay. I really appreciate the guys. I appreciate Kevin and Simon and, and so appreciate Laurie. I so appreciate what you share. You're my slayer of wrong attitudes. <laughs> We've got a few people who want prayer, but uh, just if we can, I'm going to ask Daryl and Val to make the way to the front. Um, these guys just sort of sit behind the scenes. They're going away for three months. But, mate, we miss them when they're not here. You're a wonderful couple. Come on, stand up here for a sec. Well, and uh, I just want to pray for them God's blessing on them they're going away for three months and heading off around the country isn't it yeah around Western Australia suffering for the Lord like these guys off in the Greek islands man alive what's this you know that's not you on the end of that big cliff jumping up the highest is it at the end (laughs) who's the nut that does that that you don't I look at that photo every time they go mate there's some nuts in the world eh? the guy at the end there he's a nut but anyway uh, we want to pray for you bless you guys and uh, just want to say how much we appreciate you both I praise God the day you Lord brought you to this church <laughs> yeah how about we do that let's stretch out a hand and we just pray for them. father I thank you so much for Daryl and Val I pray, Father, as they head off on this trip, that your anointing, your, your touch, your hand would go before them. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Father, just uh, thank you for, for Daryl. Lord, we just pray over his health, every aspect, Lord, that, Father, your hand would be with them. Lord, I just thank you, Father, for your protection over their lives. And as they travel, as they're going out, they're coming back, Lord, that you would just watch over them the whole way. And this would just be a tremendous time of blessing in their lives Uh, lord i pray for them both i just pray father for them and particularly i just want to pray for you both uh and i I just just sense in the lord there's um there's uh prayer and and uh issues gone up for your family and i just pray father for your hand upon their family and father you would just remove every bit of concern every concern and every issue and i pray also lord for even uh little darts that can come in the authority of your name lord jesus every one of those things would be removed and lord i just pray father for just a tremendous blessing and father that each and every one of these family members would be drawn to you drawn right into the authority of your kingdom and the power and the touch and the anointing that you have Lord Jesus, I pray for your blessing over their lives. Thank you so much for them. And I just pray, Lord, this would be some of the best three months they've ever had. In your glorious name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Fantastic. We're just going to wait and we're going to pray on a few people. We'll pray for Tanya and Emma. And I love how you guys are always just hungry for prayer. So how about we get a few people over there? Anyone else would like prayer today? Uh, I just believe the anointing of God's here can touch lives. So 
How about you do that? Uh, Laurie and I will just be here and a few others. So God bless you uh, if you need to go. Uh, and we'll just pray for a few people. Good on you. And we need to pray when you head off.